This message was presented at the GYC 2017 conference, Arise, in Phoenix, Arizona. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. All right, good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I hope you had a good lunch. Did anyone get outside? Yes, Yes, good. Good for those that did. Um, I actually did not get to go outside, and I told everybody to do that in the previous uh, seminar, so shame on me. Um, But Chad did, and he actually went running up and down the stairs, so that's great for him. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so we're going to be talking about nature and health and, and some science behind it. And what a blessing we have been given in country living. So, oh yeah, for those of you that don't know if this is your first time in our session, my name is Fadia Cruiser, and this is Chad Cruiser sitting in the corner over here. And we are a husband and wife team. Uh, We've been traveling around together for about 16 years. And um, yeah, it's crazy to say that. And we travel around full-time, full-time on the road in our minivan, and we just kind of are at the mercy of people's friendliness, right? Whoever puts us up wherever we're at. But what do we do? do? Why do we do that? We are what you call anchor point films. How how many of you have heard of anchor point films? Maybe you've more heard of the products than the, the film production company itself. If any of you have seen Scripture Mysteries documentary series, like the one on Daniel 2, Daniel 9, Theodicy, all of these, we are the ones, this husband and wife team are the ones that uh, put these uh, documentaries together. So that's partly why we're on the road full time. Between documentary work and speaking engagements, this is like go, go, go all the time. And with the speaking engagements, we do things on the gut-brain connection, overcoming habits, addictions, lack of forgiveness. Um, We do prophecy series, different things like that. And the Lord has really blessed us uh, with a wonderful ministry. We're so happy to be doing it. Uh, Just miracles, miracles that we get to do, um, or get to see, I should say, Um, the Lord does through us. We were just in Maine uh, in the fall, and we did a prophecy meeting for the month. But before we did the prophecy meeting, we decided the first weekend to do a health uh, series, and it was the gut-brain connection. And the Lord really blessed. We had a, a Pentecostal pastor and his wife come, and they liked it so much. And they said, we've never seen health brought up from the Bible like this. And, and they said, you know, we Pentecostals, we know how to eat. And, and then they said, and we're all sick, you know. And so they said, can you come to our church and do this at our church? And sure enough, we did. Uh, he, got, he got another Pentecostal pastor to open up his doors, and we came and did the meeting there. It was such a blessing, and we had some of them come to our prophecy meetings because of it. And they want us to come back up there sometime, you know, if, if the church has us come back up, which they do, they'll have us come speak there as well. But you know what's interesting? In short order, the husband and wife saw physical, spiritual, mental changes in their own lives in that short amount of time that they implemented these things. 
and uh, they were testifying. We were at their church, and they're, and they're raising their hand. They're like, I've been doing this. My knee pain went away. The doctor says I don't even have to have surgery anymore. I had, I had depression, and it's lifted. I, my blood sugars, I was a diabetic, and I'm down so low now. It's incredible. I mean, we're like, Chad said, we couldn't pay them enough to say this stuff, you know? <laughs> it was like a miracle before our eyes. And... Um, then the lady was talking to a friend from another place, and she says, oh, if you're sick, you go find a local Adventist church, and they'll heal you. <laughs> I was like, wow. Um, and that's what the Lord wants. Amen? That's what the Lord wants, is that we're a light to shine that makes people happy, healthy, and open to his word. And, and that's what we're here to do. We're not here to punish anybody, hurt anybody, cause them to feel, you know, negative. And, and you understand, Chad's been talking about over and over, the Lord wants us to be happy. And, and happy is what draws people to his word. And that, that doesn't mean um, happy where you're just always laughing and stuff. We're not talking about that. It's just this content, con joy, right? Um, Paul had it, right? He says Whatever condition I'm in, I'm content. That's what God wants for us. So um, with that said, I guess that was a long introduction, huh? But I just want to let you know the things that the Lord has been doing in our lives, and uh, it's been a real blessing. So let's have a word of prayer together before we begin. Father in heaven, I just thank you so much for your wonderful ways, your methods that heal and bring joy and happiness to our lives. And Lord, we take no um, self-glorification or anything in these things, Lord. We know that all things come of you, and we have nothing of ourselves. And so we thank you for allowing us to be a part of this wonderful work on this planet that you have sacrificed so much for. And Lord, we ask for your presence now to teach us, to guide us, to help us to live a more full and abundant life. We ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So as you can see, sorry, I'm used to stepping away, so this is a little awkward. Um, as you can see, this is, this is about... Uh, nature, health, and country living, okay? And how science is backing up these things that we've been told for many years. So what, we're going to show you a few things be between uh, rural living and urban living. It says 97% of the United States land is rural. That's a lot of rural land, isn't it? We're blessed, amen? Not every country that has that. 19.3% uh, of Americans live in rural areas. That's a small percentage, isn't it? Yes. 80.7% live in urban areas. That's huge. Do you know those numbers were flipped during the Great Depression? During the Depression, 80% lived in rural areas and 20 in the cities. That's the only way they made it through was because they could live off the land themselves and they didn't depend on the bread lines, they called them. We watched this one documentary and an old man said, um, 
he was living in the country, and he said, during the Depression, or he said, before the Depression, we worked hard and we struggled. During the Depression, we worked hard and we struggled. And after the Depression, we worked hard and we struggled. But we never went without a meal. He said, but in the city, then another guy comes and he tells a story. When he was a child and he could see his neighbors, their furniture is put outside. The snow is falling. This was in Ohio. And he's like, Mom and Dad, what's going to happen to them? They're like, I don't know. They're just sitting outside on top of their furniture while the snow is coming down on them. And the kid just started, the old man now, he said, I just started to cry. And he starts crying even then. And he says, people were in bread lines. Things were tough. And they said, I don't know what's going to happen if something like that hits again because now the numbers are flipped. majority of the people live in the city and a few live in the country. That was very sobering. You know, I grew up in the city. I grew up in Chicago, in the city, not like a suburb of Chicago, in the city. And um, praise God, I don't live in the city anymore. And maybe I'll share more with you as we go along. It says the majority of Americans live on 3% of the land. So we're not really out there as much as we could be, right? That means there's a lot of land out there that we could live on, right? That we could uh, utilize. And it's, it's a beautiful thing that God has given us, the outdoors, right? It says here in Psalms 101, I mean 121, verse 1 and 2, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help comes from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. There's something about when you look out into the hills and the mountains that kind of puts you in your place, right? Whenever I'm out in the mountains, I start to realize how small I am and yet how much God cares about me, right? It's so easy to get lost out there and, and wonder, you know, where, you know, where we are in the vast universe and things like that. And it's just like, wow, you really feel your smallness. But yeah, you look up and you see God. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Oh, I guess it doesn't look as nice up there. Sorry. <laughs> but yes, we can lift up our eyes into the hills. And that's where our help comes from. Um, there's a study. No, I won't get to the study yet. Sorry. First, I'll show you the Bible. Uh, if we look through the Bible, we will see that people uh, who spent time in nature, um, well, I'll just read about it, but just a moment. People who spent time in nature made big differences in our world, right? Now, the first one, yeah, they made a big difference, but maybe that's not a good example of what I just said. But Adam and Eve, everything began in a garden, right? That's where they were put, and that's where the most enjoyment was. Chad said in the first session that uh, the Garden of Eden, Eden means pleasure. So God put them in the Garden of Pleasure, and he gave them food that made them have pleasure, right? That makes you the happiest. And um, so that's Adam and Eve. Moses spent time in the country, right? He had to be deprogrammed of Egypt so he spent 40 years out in the country with the sheep, learning how to herd the sheep. If you've ever watched some sheep, man, they are some crazy animals. They, they are very strange. And it's so funny that God says that we're like sheep. You know, if you ever spend time with sheep, you're just like, oh, man, that, that's so humbling to think that God's saying I'm like that thing. <laughs> because we were... Um, 
we were visiting some family that have some sheep and goats. And um, they actually are very mean to each other sometimes. It's, it's incredible. Uh, there is a newborn, and the mom was a new mom, and she didn't know how to treat her baby. She rejected it, and so the others were just throwing it around. And uh, the owner wasn't around, so we couldn't tell them. And we were city folks, and we're ignorant, and we didn't know what to do. And I tried getting a hold of my mom, who was brought up in the country, and I couldn't get a hold of her. I tried getting hold of all kinds of people. I should have Googled, Googled it earlier, right? <laughs> We were supposed to separate the mom and the baby from the rest of them so that, yeah. Anyway, the baby came as a surprise, and um, they were rejecting it. And as we're sitting there viewing this, and we see this innocent sheep, what do you think our minds went to? Jesus. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. And tears just started coming down our eyes. We're just like, Wow, look at this sheep. He's so innocent. He'll go to any, he just went to anybody looking for love and acceptance and his mommy, right? And he'd go to the, the big sheep and with his, his um, horns, he'd shove him across the thing. And we're like, oh, what's wrong with these guys? They're animals. Well, yes, they are animals. But you understand, we were just like, what do we do? How do we do this? And then I even came in there trying to protect him, and he went between my legs, and then he just lay his head on, on my foot, and oh, it was so cute, but immediately my mind went to spiritual things, and it went to Jesus, and that's what nature is supposed to do for us, right? It's, it's supposed to make us think of the spiritual things and bring us closer to God. So Moses spent that time, imagine these sheep and their hard to herd, that gave him a way to learn how to deal with the children of Israel who were very hard to herd, right? And uh, it gave him a lot of life lessons that I'm sure he appreciated while he was going through the desert with the children of Israel. How about King David, right? King David spent a lot of time in the country with animals and uh, working hard. And so he learned the lessons of what it means to... Um, work hard and be a leader and, and be courageous when things come at you. You know, he killed a bear and a lion, and he was, he was a strong man. So that's another person that spent time in nature. How about John the Baptist, right? He spent a lot of time out in nature, and he even had people come out into nature to listen to him. Isn't that powerful? Because what are some of the excuses we give about, um, about not going to the country? Who's going to finish the work in the cities? If we're all living in the country, who's going to finish the work in the cities? Well, John the Baptist had people coming out to him to hear him. That's how powerful it was. But it's because he had the Spirit of God. He spent time out there that refreshed him, and, and the Spirit was just in him that his words could make ten times a difference because of that. Who else was like that? Enoch. Enoch spent time out walking with God, right? He spent time with God and communing with him. And because of that, he finally was translated, right? And so you, you see these examples. But who else spent time in nature? You got it, Jesus. And he's our example, right? He spent time in the quiet, uh, praying to his father and asking for strength, especially when he had something important to do the next day, right? He spent time in prayer and in nature 
with the Father. And if we are sinful and in need of a Savior, do we need to do what he did? You better believe it. So these are some people, and I'm sure we can think of more, that spent time out in nature and who made big differences in our world. Deuteronomy 6.24 says, and Chad quoted this before, but it's a good one to remember, and the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for what? Our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. And so there's blessings, there's longevity, there's happiness in following God's methods. So now let's look at some science. There's a study done about nature and memory, okay? Spending time in nature. And here it is. It was in the University of Michigan, and uh, they gave people a memory test, and they divided them into two groups. One group went for a walk in an arboretum, so it's more of a natural setting. And the the other group went for a walk in a city street, And they repeated a memory test, and those who walked in nature did 20% better than they did on the first test that was in the city. Isn't that interesting? So if you are a student and you want to do good on your tests, you want to get 20% better on your tests, right? You should go out in nature, right? There's just something about it. Uh, we may not know all the signs behind it, but we know that it, it makes a difference, that if you spend time out in nature, just going out for a walk in the city does not have the same effect as when you take time away in nature. Councils on Health, page 52, says this. When the weather will permit, those who are engaged in sed- sedentary occupations should, if possible, walk out in the open air every day, summer and winter. The clothing should be suitable and the feet well protected. Walking is often more beneficial to health than all the medicine that can be prescribed. For those who can endure it, walking is preferable to riding for it brings all the muscles into exercise. The lungs also are forced into a healthy action since it is impossible to walk in the bracing air of a winter morning without inflating them. So it just like opens up your your lungs and you just breathe it in because that fresh winter air, it's so invigorating. We were just in Michigan visiting family and we told some of you before that we went out every day that we could. Didn't matter what the weather was, if it was snowing, whatever, we just bundled up, like she said, get, get well, you know, suited up, right? And just get out in it. And you feel like a champ afterwards. I kid you not. You feel like a champ because you've exercised, you got the good fresh air, and you also overcame your laziness, right? Don't we always feel good when we overcome, like, just, ah, I don't feel like going, I don't feel like going. But you always feel so good about it when you made the right choice. So, um, and, and like we're seeing now, studies show that it's better to go out for a walk. And um, walking after a meal is important. And I'm feeling it right now because I don't feel as like top notch right now because I didn't go walking after my meal. He did, though. So we'll see how he does. But <laughs> um, anyway, walking after a meal is so important. Dr. Wes Youngberg, 
Uh, he's, he's from Fallbrook, California. And this is what he says in his book, uh, Goodbye Diabetes. He says, for every one minute of light to moderate exercise, someone can lower their blood sugar by one to three points after a meal. So let's say after a meal, you go walking for 10 minutes, you potentially can drop your blood sugar by anywhere from 10 to 30 points. Isn't that powerful? So you're not ex- it's not vigorous exercise. It's just going out for a walk, getting your digestion going, and it actually lowers. But you have to do it after a meal. You can't wait an hour after a meal because then your blood sugar has already gone up and it, it has its effect. So it has to be after a meal so you can lower your blood sugar and then um, you see the benefits. So what does Councils on Health say? It says, exercise will aid the work of digestion. To walk out after a meal, hold the head erect, put back the shoulders, and exercise moderately will be a great benefit. The mind will be diverted from self to the beauties of nature. The less the attention is called to the stomach after a meal, the better. If you are in constant fear of your food, that your food will hurt you, it most assuredly will. Forget self and think of something cheerful. Isn't that nice? Sometimes we maybe worry too much about what goes in the stomach, right? And we can, you know, like she says, if you think something will make you sick, it'll make you sick, you know? So it's better to just get out, walk, and, and don't think about those things. How about nature and relieving stress? This is interesting. Students were sent uh, into a forest for two nights. And they discovered that students who spent time in nature had lower levels of cortisol than students in the city. And cortisol is a stress hormone okay, that, that um, you release when you have so much stress. It's a, it's a hormone that is released. Another study showed students in nature had lower levels of cortisol and heart rate. So their heart rate even came down as they spent time uh, in nature. And nature lowering inflammation. 24 elderly people with hypertension were put into two groups. One group went on a seven-day, seven-night trip into an evergreen forest, and the other group on a seven-day, seven-night city trip, okay? And uh, those who went to the city had little health effects. But this is really interesting. Those who went forest bathing, they call it, lowered their blood pressure, lowered their levels of inflammation, and increased their vigor. Isn't that neat? Just a a walk in nature did all that for them. And... uh, so that's the lowering inflammation. The other one was lowering your stress levels because when you're stressed, the cortisol is released. So being out in nature, that, that gets lowered. But what about cancer? Can nature help cancer? Huh. Let's find out. There were 12 males from large corporations in Japan, uh, and they were taken on a three-day, two-night trip into the forest. They spent time walking in the forest. 11 out of the 12 had nearly 50% higher levels of natural killer cell activity. Natural killer cells are, are the cells that help um, kill cancer cells, okay? So they had a uh, higher, 50% higher levels because they went out and walked in nature, they, what they call forest bathing. They also saw an increase in natural killer cells 
So not only this, the, the natural solar killer cell activity, but also the production of them. So the, the activity through the body and the production of natural killer cells. Natural killer cells and they were more active. Yes. The change began within one day, just one day. And um, one moment, sorry. 11 of the 12 men took the same length trip into the city and walked the same amount. It was 2.5 kilometers. So they did the same thing, but they went into the city now. And they saw no benefit to the natural killer cell activity in the city trip. Um, and this is so neat. And the forest bathing, the benefit to it lasted for a month. So that little time that they spent in the forest, the effects of the natural killer cells lasted for a month. Isn't that powerful? And they shared that if it, it may be beneficial to take a monthly trip to the forest to enhance immune function. Isn't that powerful? So if you, wanna, um, if you can't live in the country, then at least go out and camp in it once in a while, right? At least once a month is what they're telling us. Um, look at this here in My Life Today, page 135. It says, nature is God's physician. The pure air, the glad sunshine, the beautiful flowers and trees, the or orchards and vineyards, and outdoor exercise amid these surroundings are health-giving, the elixir of life. Isn't that powerful? And we're seeing that in science today, that being out in nature is what really brings health and rejuvenation to us all. Nature, anxiety, and depression. A study was conducted to see if time in nature would benefit major depressive disorder. 12 individuals had major depressive disorder and at the onset were tested in regard to their short-term memory. They then were asked to think back on a problematic unresolved issue in their life. What happened? Then they went on two separate occasions, one week apart, on a 50-minute walk in nature and then one in the city. The result, the participants had a substantial increase in memory span after the nature walk compared to the city walk. So that's huge, right? A, a substantial increase in memory span. So it's going to enhance your memory. Again, this goes back to the students. If you want to have a good memory, if you want to be sharp in school, you need to spend time in the country. You need to spend time uh, in nature. Mood scores were also better after the nature walk. So that also helps with having you in a peaceful um, mindset so that you're not nervous or, or stressed out for tests, for school, for whatever it is, or even for work. It says here, nothing so tends to restore health and happiness as living amid attractive country surroundings. Isn't that neat? Nothing so tends to restore health and happiness as living amid attractive country surroundings. And uh, Chad's going to come up now and tell us about nature and theology. Now, that's a beautiful thought, huh? That living out in nature, being out there, actually enhances our happiness. Once again, all the things that God commanded us, Deuteronomy chapter 6, 24 says, 
that his commandments are for our good always, right? Meaning he didn't tell you this to try to keep you away from living near Target, right? You know, people are afraid, like, oh, man, if I, you know, I'll be too far from Walmart or whatever. I mean, he actually made these things to enhance your happiness, not to detract from it. And so as we look at this, it's exciting to think that God gave us this information. We've been looking at scientific study after scientific study, yet God blessed us with this information over 100 years ago, telling us exactly what would come to pass. And if we would have just done the studies ourselves, we would have proved all these things. But somebody, you know, all these other people have done this for us, which is very powerful. So think about this. Could nature living out in the country actually affect your theology? That's an interesting thought, isn't it? Most people maybe would have never thought that. Yeah, who cares? You live in the country, you live in the city. Check this out. So uh, this was something you may have heard of Barna, this group that does these studies of questioning people. What they did is participants were asked several different questions in a poll. They said, this is the, one of the questions, if your beliefs offend someone or hurt their feelings, your beliefs are wrong. Would you agree with that? If what you believe makes somebody else feel bad, would you just say, well, then what I believe must then be incorrect because it makes someone feel bad? Well, they didn't ask you, right? <laughs> they asked these people, right? Uh, so let's, let's find out. Um, those who reside in the city were six times more likely to agree with that statement. Do you understand how that affects your theology? Could that be that many young people who live in the city, they can't actually hold to a belief about what's going to happen in the end times because what they believe might be offensive to somebody else? Does that make sense? So could it be that city living versus country living, and I'm not, I'm not condemning anybody. I mean, anybody can choose to do what they do. I'm not putting anybody out. We're just looking at the science behind these things. But could it be that if you wanted your children to have the, the best fighting chance to fight the good fight of faith, you would want them in the best surroundings to make those decisions. That's something to think about, right? That's something to think about. Now, the reason I asked before we started how many of you are here for the last message, I'm going to show the same video clip. It's a clip from an hour and a half documentary that we produce called Ancient Health. We go around to archaeologists, historians. This documentary is a mixture of archaeology, history, and cultures of longevity, and uh, the principles of living long. And one of the points, obviously, is the negative ions in the air. I'm going to show you the video clip again here. I'll let you see it. Let's talk a little bit about AIR, AIR being one of the, you know, the acronym in New Start, the A is for AIR. And of course, we're speaking about good fresh air. What's surprising to many people in the urban environments in which uh, the majority of the world's population lives is that many of us are deprived of this very important commodity. There's actually good air and bad air. We know that foul air in the cities will, for example, double heart attack rates, which is a big problem. If you go into a congested city environment, you actually don't, you, you kind of feel a little down. You're a little gloomy. The air is, is just not as fresh as compared to going along a mountain stream with this, 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 this river that's cascading down the mountains and the birds are singing, the sense that you have there, and why is that? In these environments, there are negatively charged air ions. When we go out on the trails, and, and just breathe in just good air, good quality air. The air around the waterfalls, lakes, oceans, pine trees, cedar trees, mountains, that negatively charged air is good for you. It's actually positive for you. 
Have you ever noticed how good you feel after a thunderstorm or after being by the ocean surf? The reason again is that these environments create and have the highest concentration of negative ions available. These negatively charged... Whoops. Well, I'll tell you about it because I just turned it off. So what, what they say is that negative ions that are found in nature among the pine trees, the cedar trees, the waterfalls, the ocean surf, that this negative ions, these negatively charged air that's in fresh air. But by the way, when we sit in a room like this for a long time, we're creating positively charged air. And that's why you're feeling more crummy than you did when you first came in. Okay, well, maybe, you know, we, the good thing is we have ventilation in, in places like this. But in general, the, that's what happens. That's why it's good to have fresh air. Even at night, having a window cracked, even when you're in a... We were just in Michigan, you know, it got like 9 degrees or whatever. And we'd still crack the window at night just to get that negatively charged air. It's actually beneficial for your health. Plus, you may be getting radon through your floor. And so it's just beneficial to, to diminish any negative air that's in a room. So fresh air is very good. And when we think about this, you, you may think like, well, maybe God could have just told us this. Well, guess what? He did. We saw in our last presentation that Ellen White told us that she, she said that the fresh air electrifies the system. She said exactly what we now see today. We were told this over 100 years ago. Now, this is interesting. So looking at even just pictures of nature, they were trying to figure out, because, you know, you can't give an MRI to someone when they're like, you know, out in nature. Because you're in a machine, right? So the, the closest they can do is either ha have you look at nature in some way, and so then you show them pictures. And so what do we find? When the volunteers were looking at urban scenes, the city, their brains showed more blood flow in the amygdala. That's what part of the brain? That's the fear center of the brain, which processes fear and anxiety. In contrast, the natural scenes lit up the anterior cingulate in the insula. This is that kind of love portion of the brain. Areas associated with empathy and altruism. Maybe nature makes us nicer as well as calmer. Isn't that neat? That nature actually makes you kinder more loving. I mean, that's a good thing to know, right? So we, we see this. This is very, very interesting. So you could actually benefit the happiness of yourself and the happiness if you end up having children, if you don't have them already. You could benefit that by having them amidst lovely surroundings. Very powerful. So can we improve our brain? Are there things in brain that can enhance our either happiness or, or uh, you know, just in, enhance our brain by being in nature? Uh, imagine a therapy that had no side effects, was readily available, and could improve your cognition, functioning at zero cost. The researchers wrote in their paper, it exists, and they, and they continued, and it's called interacting with nature. Isn't that powerful? That like you can improve your cognition, you can make yourself happier, and it's absolutely free just by spending time. And listen, my wife and I, we both grew up in cities, right? You know, we, we lived in the city, and so that's that's our background. We're not some, you know, like country folk who lived out there our whole lives, not at all. We've, you know, we come from the city, yet there's something special about it. It doesn't mean you can't be a Christian in the city. You absolutely can. And if we live in the city, we should use it to the best of our ability to be witnesses for Christ. But there, there's an experience. Any Anybody who's maybe experienced time in the country, there's just an experience that you can have there that is, that is not possible directly right downtown somewhere. I mean, just something even very simple. I think about, uh, I went, we were camping out at the, in the mountain um, in, right outside of Portland. What, what mountain was that? Hood. 
Hood, Mount Hood. Yeah, we were up, we were up backpack, or not backpack, we were camping at Mount Hood. I was with a group of people. And then everybody left, and I chose to stay for, I don't know, a night or two by myself. Um, and while I, I went up into the, to the you know, woods there, and I was walking around, and, you know, one of the things I found is, because we've lived in the Black Hills of South Dakota, so one of the things I find is, you, did you remember the story of, in the Bible, you know, Abraham, you know, he was out in the country, but then Lot, when he was called to go out from Sodom, do you remember what he said? God said, flee to the mountain. And you know what, you know what Lot said? He, he said, no, 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 no. A wild animal will attack me and eat me. Do you remember? Actually, he actually said that. Go read it. He says, no, 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 I can't go out in the nature. An animal will get me, right? Imagine God's like, hey, you should go spend time in nature, and then all of a sudden you're mauled by a bear. Right? I mean, is that what God was going to do to Lot? No, but he was afraid. I had the same thing. Like, every time if I've been in the city for quite a while and I go to visit the Black Hills of South Dakota and I'm walking around, I know there's mountain lions out there, and I'm walking along, and every noise that I hear, I'm like, I'm looking, you know? <laughs> but then after, like, two or three days, I'm totally comfortable. Totally comfortable. Like, it's like being at home, right? But we have that if we're not used to it. It takes time to actually get used to it. And that's why Lot was so terrified of it. But you go, at first, it may be scary to you, but in time, it'll be such a blessing, such a blessing to you. And so, you know, thinking about this, that we can spend that time, we can be changed by being in this nature. Now, this is interesting. Who is happier, city folk or country folk? It's a good question, right? You know, you might think, well, you know, people are richer in the city. That's clear. You know, that lot, lot, you know, generally people make more money. They have better jobs in the city. So obviously that would be the best way to find happiness, right? Let's find out. So the general, the general social survey that has been conducted since 1972 to 2012 reveals that those who live in large American cities are statistically the least happy people in America. Now that's interesting. Well, it also reveals that those who live in small towns or rural areas are the happiest people in America. Statistically, that is, right? Obviously, there's happy people in the city and, you know, unhappy people in the country. But statistically, if you're looking at a, at, from a, just a group perspective, you find that people are happier that live in the country. And remember, we're told that God wants us truly. I, I, we should have quoted it. Maybe it's in one of the messages. But one of my favorite quotations by Ellen White is that she says, Basically, one of the reasons, so God gave us the health message. He gave us the health message to make us stronger mentally, physically, spiritually. But then she tells us that following these principles will give us happiness. Meaning, one of the reasons God gave us the health message was to make us happy, right? Meaning, all God's commandments are for our good, right? I mean, that's... You know, so let's look at this. This is in the actual chart. Now, if you look at people who live in areas that have 600,000 to 8 million people, they are significantly more unhappy than everybody else. So people coming from Chicago, people coming from L.A., people coming from New York. And this isn't putting anybody down. It's just, just statistically that is the case. If you're looking for happiness, you don't want to live in those places. But listen, somebody's got to go witness. We need, we need the people to go out and do ministry in these places. Absolutely. But if we're just looking at just a place to live, happiness is best found elsewhere. You know, you, you know then you're at towns that are 190 to 622,000. They are, you know, more than twice as happy as those living in the major cities. But then it continues to go up till you get to places 
that either have zero people or uh, 2,000 people. You know, I don't know how happy zero people can be, but uh, obviously people who live in areas with very few people uh, become significantly happier than those who live in the major cities. Now, this is a review of what we talked about in the gut-brain connection. We talked about this, the surprising link between gut germs and toddlers' tantrums, and we discovered that children, toddlers, who have a greater diversity of gut bacteria are statistically happier, more social, and more outgoing. Children who have less diversity of gut bacteria are more antisocial, more crabby, and are just, just have emotional problems with less diversity of gut bacteria. So we asked, so how can you get greater diversity of gut bacteria? We looked at this from the, this next thing from uh, the Physicians Committee, Committee for Responsible Medicine, headed out by Dr. Neil Barnard, who's worked with the United States government. They have this article on their website, uh, vegan diets lead to healthier intestinal bacteria because each fruit or vegetable that you eat has its own composition of bacteria with microbes on it. And so as you eat a diversity of them, you get a higher diversity of bacteria in your gut and it makes you happier and have less inflammation. Now this is interesting. So greater diversity of bacteria in your gut statistically makes you a happier, healthier person and more outgoing and more social, by the way which is wonderful, which is one of the reasons God gave us the health message, right? And so this is interesting. A study has been done looking at bacteria on like countertops in the city or in the country. Now, that's kind of interesting. So which one has more bacteria? Well, is that good or bad? Well, scientists looked at the microbes in a city apartment and compared them to a country farm. Which had more bacteria? Neither. They were similar, they had similar number of bacteria. Then you said, oh, and how does this fit with what you're talking about? They had the similar number of bacteria in both of them. But one of them, the farmhouse, had greater diversity of bacteria. Now, isn't that interesting? That you can get a greater diversity by being in a country setting. This is very interesting. We were talking about the microbes. We talked uh, in length about that in our first message. So for those of you who aren't there, you know, you could just listen to it online. Uh, but very interesting. A diversity of gut bacteria gives you lower levels of inflammation and higher levels of happiness and social skill. I talked about how it totally changed my life. I, used to, I didn't mention this when I was talking about depression. I went through depression for 10 years. And as I found these principles that we shared with you earlier about the gut-brain connection, it totally changed my life. Now, I was doing ministry. I was traveling around full-time. Uh, I was reading my Bible every day, exercising, eating a plant-based diet, doing all these things, trying to make my heart right with the Lord, but still depressed. But after I implemented the principles that we shared in the gut-brain seminar, one of the things that happened was I used, I've always had to be social because I've been in ministry. But it used to make me so tired. It just used to stress me out, you know, to spend all this time with people. But now, it's totally not that way. I can spend time with people all day, and it's not a burden to me. Because this has changed my life. These principles are meant to enhance our happiness and to make us a better benefit to those around us. Because is it very easy to, you know, constantly work with people when it, when it wears you out all the time? No. But the closer we get to God's wonderful principles, it makes it easier on us and a greater blessing to other people at the same time. So this is interesting. Right now, they're finding that young, educated people are moving into farming. This is interesting. For the second time in the last 100 years, more young people are getting into farming. 69% of new farmers are college-educated people. Isn't that interesting? Why would you want to go to college and then start a farm? 
Maybe, you know, it's, it's so fascinating because my parents in their generation, my parents, they're not Adventists, you know, none of my family's Adventists, and I love them. I just spent time with them before coming here, had a fantastic time with them. Uh, but, you know, my, 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 my parents, you know, like my dad loves Michigan. He's a super sports fan. I never really cared for sports, but my dad just loves sports. And so he loves University of Michigan, you know, their football team or my nephews on their baseball team. And, and so he just loves sports and he loves University of Michigan. And they talk about Michigan State University and they say, oh, that's an old farm school. Like they used to look down on that. It used to be that, you know, my parents' generation looked down on like country living and farming, but right now it's like cutting edge and cool, right? Have you seen the video about the guy? This guy was an NFL player. Must have made all kinds of money. He gave it up and you know what he did? He moved into the country and he started a farm. He's his brother, probably from the hood, and here he is, moves to a farm, he's driving a tractor, and he's like, this is the greatest experience of my life. He said, this is the most fulfilling thing I've ever done. And, and they're like, well, how did you learn to do it? And he said, YouTube, you know? <laughs> and it's the reality, man. Like, everything's there. You don't need to, like, go to school to do it. You could just do it, especially, you know, if you got a few million dollars in your back pocket like he did, you can go buy a big farm and start one. But not all of us can start that big. But, but small things, and the interesting thing is country land is actually generally cheaper. It's cheaper to build in the country, uh, very interestingly. So, but look at this. So 69% of these young farmers are college educated. So God has given us this message of country living, that there's benefits to us, psychological benefits, physical benefits, cancer fighting benefits, depression fighting benefits, all of these things. And here's the thing, you know, we, we were given this strange message that our hospitals, our sanitariums, our health centers should be based where? In the country. It's just like, well, who cares, right? Now, well, let's find out. So Dr. Roger Ulrich did a study. He, he just noticed through his own observation as a medical professional that after surgeries, that his patients that had a view outside of their window, because some of the patients had a view outside of their window of a brick wall, but other patients had a view out of their window of deciduous trees. And what he started to notice, and then and he just noticed it by observation, then he went on to actually do a study on it. As he did a study on it, you know what he discovered? He discovered that those who had the tree view, that they were looking outside and looked at nature, that they had lower levels of depression after their surgery. Number two, they needed less amount of pain medication. They needed a fourth less, one quarter of what the other patients would need for pain medication that they would ask for, one quarter for those who would be able to look outside at trees. And they also found that, that the, these people after surgeries, that they would get out of the hospital about an entire day early. How much does it cost to stay overnight at a hospital? It's probably like 10 grand. So does that make a difference if you get out an extra day early? This is significant. So now, could it be that having health centers in the country could actually benefit the health of those people who are coming to our institutions. You see, we were given these things not to be strange and straight laced and, and, you know, awkward. We were doing this because we were meant to be the most cutting-edge people on the planet. You see? We were told all this long before these things came to pass. Notice what we read here. The advantage of outdoor life must never be lost sight of. This is Councils on Health, page 231. Out of the cities, out of the cities, this has been my message for years. 
We cannot expect the sick to recover rapidly when they are shut in within four walls in some city with no outside view but houses, houses, houses. Nothing to animate, nothing to enliven. And yet how slow some are to realize that the crowded cities are not favorable places for sanitary work. Doesn't that sound like a cutting-edge scientific study to you? It wasn't. It was, an old, it was a little old lady with a third-grade education. How did she get all of these studies that we're talking about? There were no studies done yet. She said that God had given her this message, and every single thing she has said has turned out to be true. And anything that hasn't been studied, studies are coming out week after week. As I studied out the, the study of the gut-brain connection, I found study after study after study. And as they come out, every single one is just buttressing, just lifting up the message that we have been given. God gave this message that we would be a light to the world. And, and many times what's happened is we wait to follow these messages until the world does them. That's when we end up doing it. And then we're like, oh, isn't that cool? You know, you know that people are into that. It's like hip now. You know, it's hip to do these things. But we were given this message long before it was hip, you know, before it was cool, before it was trendy for these college students to become farmers, right? God gave us these things not to be strange, but to be a blessing to us because he wants what's best for you. That's what he told us in Deuteronomy 6.24, that it was for our good always. Check this out. Study, study at the University of Sussex. Participants were asked to listen to either natural environments or artificial sounds. So they had them listen to, you know, human-made noises or nature sounds. The, nature, uh, the natural environmental sounds included things like wind in the trees. And, and another environmental sound was listening to a brook, you know, a babbling brook, you know, a little creek flowing by. And they did MRI scans. They were scanning their brains as this was being done. And... It's interesting, Ellen White said when you're out in nature, after, after you eat, she says you go out for a walk, and then what did she tell us? She says your mind will turn away from an inward focus, and you will begin to think outward on the beauties of nature, and you will not be thinking about your self, right? That's what she told us. Interesting. Now check this out. So MRI scans were done. What they discovered was that during the natural sound, the brain had an outward focus. Isn't that in? Who would have guessed that, right? So the, the brains would have an outward focus. What ended up happening? Now, as they did that, during the artificial sounds, the human-made sounds, the brain had an inward focus. Isn't that great? Well, no. Notice it says an inward focus similar to what is seen in people with depression, anxiety, and post-traumatic stress syndrome. Isn't that interesting? When you're constantly thinking about self, you're more, you're you're more likely to be depressed. But when you have an outward focus and you're thinking of nature, you're thinking about other people, it actually changes you. It changes you. Those who at the beginning of the study had the highest levels of stress had the most significant drop in their stress levels during the natural sounds, right? So this is what we find. And LMI tells us that, that spending, in time, spending time in nature has a significant impact on those now. If listening to the sound of leaves in the trees was beneficial in listening to the sound of nature, why didn't God just tell us? Guess what? He did. A sweet sense of restfulness and refreshing comes over them as they listen to the murmuring breezes. The drooping spirits revive, the waning strength is recruited, recruited, 
unconsciously the mind becomes peaceful, the fevered pulse more calm and regular. Didn't we find that it lowered the blood, the blood level, meaning your, uh, your heart rate levels? Didn't we find that earlier? That spending, do you realize that every one of these things were already told to us? We didn't have to guess. We didn't have to wonder. The science shows over and over. We, once again, if we would go back to being the people of the book, we would know all the things that we've already been given. The science shows that these things are true. You know, we look at this. This is from Ministry of Healing. Remember, those who are weary, those who are worn because of the city, those who had the worst uh, mental experience had the greatest benefit of being out there. So you may think, I don't need it. But if you're struggling with stress, anxiety, depression, we already saw that your natural killer cell activity can increase by 50% in just one day of being in the country. And it can enhance that natural killer cell, the amount of them, uh, just by being out there. And then it, the, the benefit lasts for a month. We can get out there every month. We can, we can be better able to fight off cancer. You know, many people say, oh, he's a vegan. He's still got cancer. I'm not saying just country living does it. But each portion of the puzzle, cancer is much more multifaceted than heart disease or diabetes. Those things are relatively easy to overcome. Cancer is more difficult. We're going to talk about those in the next, all three of those things in the next message and how we were given the message on how to not, you know, not get most of these things or reverse them if you already have them. We were told all this beforehand with cutting edge science. But what does it say? To those who are brain weary and nervous because of continual labor and close confinement, a visit to the country where they can live a simple carefree life, coming in close contact with the things of nature will be the most helpful. So those who are struggling the most get the most what? Benefit. And that's just exactly what we just saw in the study, right? We knew all this beforehand. It says, roaming through the fields and the woods, picking the flowers. We already talked about how a certain smell of a certain plant could actually lower levels of depression. A study has been done on these things, right? It says, roaming through the fields and the woods, picking the flowers, listening to the songs of the birds will do more than, far more than any other agency toward their recovery. Isn't that powerful? It's interesting. I mean, we could go on and on and on. We're, we're going to make a whole series on, on scientific studies that back up the message. This is just one of the messages that we'll have soon coming out in a whole series. But here's the thing. When you think about this, even things as simple as, you know, she talks about the smell of the cedar and the pine and the fir. And the fir. Someone said it. The fir. That there is health-giving activity in these plants. And one of them, I found one study out specifically on the cypress, that smelling cypress can also increase your natural killer cell activity. So time and time again, we're seeing these things just as we are told. And so thinking about this, and we're going to close with this. Have you spent any time in nature in the last month? And this, this isn't being judgmental. I'm not like, oh, you wicked person. No, it's, it's uh, meaning spend that time. Especially if you have kids, how powerful is it to get there and spend some time? If you live in the city, go, go out. Spend a weekend. Spend a Sabbath afternoon, right? Spend some hours out in nature. Find the benefits that God has for you. He wants you to be happy. He wants what's best for you. We talked about depression already, but God wants you to, to have joy and peace. And yes, even in the midst of sorrow, we can keep our eyes on Christ and trust him, even if we are depressed. I talked about that. But mixing the things that God has given us together can enhance our spirituality, can enhance our physiology, can enhance our mental state actually helping us. I mean, think about this. If you could enhance your memory by 20% in 50 minutes, that's amazing, isn't it? 
20% in 50 minutes just by walking in, in, in an arboretum out in nature. Very powerful that you can use these things to be a benefit in your life and a benefit for those around you, right? You can invite people just like Enoch. You can invite friends. Hey, let's go for a, I mean, and, and think about it. Aren't, for many of us, some of our best memories are in the country, unless you've never spent time there. I know some folks who've lived in, I was in uh, Fort Pierce, Florida doing ministry. And you had these little ghetto kids and, and we were ministering to them. And, and these, these little kids, we were, we were two miles from the ocean. And I asked the kids, I was like, hey, you ever, you ever go to the beach? You ever go out to the ocean? They said, no, we've never been there. They've grown up never, you could walk there. They've never made it that far away. They've never seen nature in their entire life. Friends of mine doing ministry right in, right in New York, right in the city of New York. They were ministering to a man there, and he was baptized into the church, and, and the church decided to go have a country picnic. And you know, in uh, New York City, if, if you're going to take a country picnic, that's not like being here in Phoenix. You drive 10 minutes, you're probably out of the city. You're in New York, it might be like a two-hour drive, right? It's a serious issue. They invited this guy, and they say, hey, brother, let's go, let's go out into the country. He said, no, thanks. And they said, no, no, come on, bro, you got to come with us. He's like, no, 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 that's okay. And finally, they kinda, they're they like, bro, what's up? Why, why are you not coming? He said, <clears throat> he was 55 years old. He said, I've never been out of this city, and I don't want to find out what I've missed. 55 years old, he never wanted to find out what was outside of that, outside of that concrete jungle in New York City. Friends, God has so much out there for us. Planting, you know, you know be, having your little kid plant an apple tree. Having your little child dig up a carrot out of the soil and bite into it with some dirt right on it. <laughs> and not even caring that they do, right? It'll actually benefit them. There's benefits in the soil. All of these things. God has given us the simple things. Now we're all terrified of them, right? You know, we're terrified, and we're terrified a mountain lion or a bear or something will attack us. One of, one of my friends who um, grew up in, in British Columbia, living in British Columbia, I mean, this, he was in the wild, and he was playing in, the, in a sandbox in the backyard, and he wasn't, he, his, his mom looked outside, and there was a bear right next to him, right next to him. And he's playing in the sandbox, and he saw the bear, but he just kept playing. And his mom said, we'll call him Bill. It wasn't Bill. Bill! get over here. There's a bear right there. And he said, mom, it's a nice bear. <laughs> God will be with you. God will take care of you. He's not calling you to this to kill you. He wants it to be a blessing to you that you find the health, the happiness, the joy, the spiritual experience. It can even change your theology getting out in country. Maybe you'll see God in his word in a way that you never had before. One last thing. I began the story and then must have lost my train of thought. So I was out in Mount Hood. And as I'm walking along, all along, I hear right behind me, and I'm, I'm all alone. I mean, nobody, I'm way out in the mountains. I mean, way out in nowhere. And all of a sudden I hear like, right behind me. And it, you know, it freaks you out because you're a city guy, you know, and it freaks out city people. And so, so I turn around, and what was it? It was just a bird, and it was every beat of its wing sounded like this just thunderously loud noise right behind me. In the city, the bird flies right by, and you don't hear any of it, right? But when you're out in, in the country, you may even hear the sound of the butterfly flapping its wings. You hear things that you could never hear in the city. And could it be that at times in the country, you hear the voice of God speaking to you in a way that you cannot hear when you're in the city?
And I say this not saying people in the city are lost. That's not what we're saying. We're not saying that you can't have a devotional experience in the city. That's not what we're saying. But we're saying there's something deeper in what people call God's country. Something, an experience that is beyond what we, it doesn't mean you can't ever live in the city and spend time with people and minister in the city, but it means that God is calling us to something higher, to something holier. And in the last days, God's people more and more are going to move toward the country and find the benefits physically, scientifically, spiritually, and emotionally that God wants them to have. So consider what God's calling is in your life. One last thing, LOI said, do not make any rash moves. She said, before you move, know what you're doing. Make sure you got a job, make sure you know, or at least that some things, you don't just run off like a crazy person. She's clear, you need to do it with wisdom and thought. Don't go do something crazy, all right? Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you love us with an everlasting love. That you didn't give us these things to keep us away from happiness. You gave them to us to increase our happiness. That you want to give us a joy that we will be the people to share your message, the three angels' messages with planet Earth. Lord, I pray that each one of us would gain the blessings that you have for us. And Lord, if we can't move to the country anytime soon, I pray that each one of us would make effort to go spend time in nature. Maybe go spend a few hours on a Sabbath afternoon, a few hours out in nature, and begin to reap some of the benefits that you have. And maybe the first time it'll feel awkward, it'll feel strange, it'll feel unnatural, but in time they'll begin to reap the full benefits. In the name of Jesus, amen. Next message is going to be about disease reversal and the cutting-edge message we've been giving. So that'll start in like, I don't know, just less than 15. Yeah, 4 o'clock. Thank you. This message was recorded at the GYC 2017 Conference Arise in Phoenix, Arizona. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.